Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad we have a variety of folks with us today. Uh, we're going to have some fun today. We're going to talk about, uh, obviously, the title is Boys in Crisis, but we're not just going to look at boys. We're going to look at us big boys. In other words, uh, bottom line is sometimes we adult males do the same thing as little boys do, but we don't necessarily do it as fast or as often, but we'll get to, to why that happens. So you hopefully have the handout. Uh, it's kind of got the fundamentals, the big seven points that I want to try to make today. I've got a lot of stuff to try to deal with today, but that being said, a little street cred for you. I've been with the company for over 20 years. I pretty much will do any of the trainings that they have available. My background, I've worked in uh, government service. I was in recreation for a couple years. I worked in industry as a plant manager for about four years, but uh, I take all those experiences and apply them to our conversation today. But I was also a classroom teacher for over 20 years and been doing staff developments in the area we're talking about today, as well as conflict management, anger management, uh, basically interpersonal skills. So that being said, let's jump into this. Here's kind of the, the big three issues we're going to look at today. We're going to examine and talk about similarities and differences in brain development for males and females. We will eventually all wind up at the same place, uh, but there's some, some points along the way that there's a little discrepancy that we'll talk about. We're going to talk about how males, both young and old, deal with emotional issues. Uh, too many times the thought is uh, men basically have one emotion, and that tends to be anger. And then when they're really mad, they're really angry. But uh, we're going to look at that, talk about that. And then the last one I think is really important. It's the influence of what is called the boy code and the bro code. So hopefully you'll see how all of these are linked together. Um, fundamental, number one, fundamental number one basically says that males and female brains have similarities and differences, and they change from birth through adulthood. Now, if you are a brain expert guru, I apologize up front. I'm going to give you some very generic thinking here, not get into all the great details of it. But that process of change is called pruning, where... We take out things from the brain, the neurons and so on that we don't need and move it into something that we might use. So when we talk about early development of males and females, boys and girls, one of the first things that tends to develop for males is this gross motor skills. Now, what I want you to think about, and it looks like the majority of our folks are in the classroom or are associated with schools, but those of you that are not, I want you to think about this from the perspective of a son or even some of the adult males that you might work with. But one of the first things that develops for boys is gross motor skills. If you take a look at what the screen says, running, walking, lifting, and throwing, that doesn't seem to be too many items that are listed on what you ought to do in school, okay? So that immediately puts some boys into uh, an interesting perspective with school. Uh, very seldom are we encouraged to run, walk, yes, lift and throw things, not so much. Look at what happens with girls, what develops first for girls or females. And what's going to happen first is what we call fine motor skill development. Now, what's the big deal about that? In essence, if you break that down into what, what kids learn in school early on, fine motor skills help kids, especially the girls, learn to write, to draw, do those kinds of things. Those are very positive, teacher-pleasing behaviors. Uh, the things on the left, mm, depends on what kind of teacher you are, 
And you don't necessarily want your kids running around or throwing things, but, you know, it depends on your, your personality. Can you handle that along with the learning? So that's the first thing that fails. Now, what's the implication for that? It's part of this, this interesting part of the brain. And what uh, Dr. Francis Bean says is that males and female brains develop a little bit differently in the sense that the myelination, and the myelination on the graph, if you can see it in the bottom right-hand corner, it's kind of a coding. And what this coding does is it allows information to transfer faster from neurons, okay? And it's about a 25% more myelination on the hippocampal formation. Now, why is that such a big deal? Uh, the hippocampus is very important for memory and emotional development, for short-term memory and emotional development. So girls immediately start off with about a 25% more myelination, which means they can transfer information faster. Here's my analogy that I like to use with this. And this is based on some, some MRI scans, 12-year study started in 2006. And here's what those neuroscientists discovered, that regions of the brain, male and female regions of the brain, develop with different sequence, tempo, and pace. Again, keep in mind, we will all eventually wind up at the same place. But here's the analogy I like to use. The female brain is kind of like a sprinter. Gets information fast, out of the starting blocks, boom, grabs information. Uh, most of the research affirms that girls will tend to develop language faster. If I develop language faster and I'm in the classroom setting, that's pretty powerful. So we develop these regions as that sprinter, fast, quick, and that myelination helps. For boys, think of the boy brain as more or less a marathon. Start slow, deliberately process your way through information. They will eventually get there, but again, the problem is this. We are comparing a sprinter brain to a marathon brain. And for those, again, in the school business, standardized testing really shows the problem that creates. You're comparing two different ways that people learn and process information. Okay, so what does that look like, right? In the classroom, boys prefer not to sit for long periods of time. They want to get that movement. Pretty much, if you want to think of, of this, the mantra for most school teachers is this for their kids. Have your materials, come into the classroom, sit down, and get to work. Nothing wrong with that. The mantra for almost every boy, including adult males, and if you think of this in the workplace environment, males will tend to have a difficult time sitting for long periods. Okay? So the mantra for most males winds up being this. Come in, sit down, and get up. And if I don't get up, Physically, I will get up mentally. In other words, I will look out the window, I will find something else to focus on, and I will lose the attention. Another way to think about this is uh, uh, for the women online with us, next time you're with a group of adult males, kind of check out their sitting. Not stalking, that's different, but check out how they're sitting. They will not be in the same physical position for more than five or six minutes. They're in a constant state of movement. That doesn't mean they're going to get up and run around, but they will move their positions and so on. Most men in a, uh, a large environment, if they're sitting in 
classroom style or auditorium will prefer to sit on the back, prefer to sit on the ends because they can spread out better. No one sees them. Uh, some folks uh, have some different names for that. They call it man spreading. Here's the second item. Boys will struggle to control a pencil or a paintbrush early on. Why is that? Primarily because that gross motor skill is not compensating for the fine motor skill that the young ladies have. And the problem with that is by the time boys get to fifth grade, some of them have not developed that fine motor skill. So that really puts them at a disadvantage in the classroom environment. Okay, and then the last piece that goes with this if I have not found success academically early on in elementary, for example, if you compare what a boy does to what a girl does in the classroom and you do it well intentioned, say, oh, look what Judy did. She did such a good job. I know you can do this, Bobby. Bobby's not hearing you saying that he can do it. Bobby's hearing you say, oh, you want me to act like a girl, which violates what we're going to call later the boy code, right? As Boys get older when the expectation is to do more pencil paper activities. They're reluctant to do that based on their prior experience. Okay. Now, if uh, just to make sure you're you're up and with me, touch that part of your brain. That's a prefrontal cortex. And just take a minute and think about what does a prefrontal cortex do. You don't have to write it down. Just think about what does a prefrontal cortex do. All right. My guess is somewhere along the line, you are thinking these things. The prefrontal cortex controls higher order thinking, problem solving, and it interfaces with the emotional system. That's pretty good stuff. That's what we sometimes call being a successful individual. Well, let's kick it up a notch. The prefrontal cortex also does this. It controls tasks such as getting started on assignment, uh, sustaining attention, remembering critical information, monitoring, monitoring one's own actions, and memory. Now, all that is great. Here's the problem. Girls are ahead of boys doing this. As a matter of fact, the prefrontal cortex does not fully develop, from what the research says for males, until the mid-20s. Now, some of you are thinking, well, some of my men that I've hung out with, they're still not there. That's a different workshop, right? The next part of this, just though, here, here's the beauty of how our brain operates. Just as boys begin to catch up to girls in the prefrontal cortex development, puberty kicks in for males. When puberty kicks in for males, it changes everything, okay? And that slows down the growth of the prefrontal cortex, which is why if you have a teenage son or if you work with teenagers, they are going to do the most insane stuff. They'll do it. Then when you question them, why did you do that? They really don't have an answer because they don't know why. Probably because their friend said, you can do this. So if you have a teenager, my suggestion is this, teenage male especially, make sure you have adequate insurance because they will do dumb things and wind up in the hospital. And that, again, is part of that. I've not been able to think that prefrontal cortex. Okay. All right. Now, let's kind of look at an analogy of, of male processing and thinking and how we go about doing things. Now, I want you to think of uh, the male brain. By the way, just in case you didn't know, I always carry a spare brain with me. 
All right. So what we're going to do is I want you to think of the male brain. We're going to split it up in half. So you got inside of the house, right? So if the male brain is a house, how males tend to process emotions is through action by doing things. Okay. So I'm going to give you a, a crazy example of this, right? Tomorrow, when you get home from work or if you work from home, you look out the window and one of your BFS, your best friends is across the street. And you notice as you look out the window that this beautiful florist truck pulls up. Okay. So you start processing in your head. You see them pull out a dozen beautiful red roses and take them into your best friend's house. So you're thinking, wait a minute, because you know her so well, it's not a birthday. It's not our anniversary. It's not a major holiday. So what did that man do wrong and why is he sending her flowers? Okay. Well, hopefully that's not the issue, but that's what you might be thinking. Well, eventually she calls you and tells you what's going on. And you say, and here's what she says to you. My man gave me flowers because he loves me. Now, you get a collective sigh and go, aw, here's the problem with that. If you have a significant male other who walks in the door after you've just had this conversation, that is going to be the kiss of death for that man. Because here's, in essence, what is going to happen next. Here's the other part of the male brain. You open that house and go in that house. You will notice in the house, there are separate rooms in that house. Let's say there are five rooms in that house. Each one of these rooms represents a separate problem and a processing issue. So let's go back to our analogy about the flower. So the guy comes home. You say to him, honey, why don't you ever get me flowers? The first thing that happens in that man's head is this. Uh-oh, I missed a birthday. Uh-oh, I missed a holiday. Oh my God, it's the anniversary. And so he's processing all that. And you kind of get a sense that he's processing something, but he really has no clue what's going on. And so here's how he starts posing questions. Question number one. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. What kind of flowers do you want? You're thinking it's not about the type of flowers. So he realizes that's not a good response because you say, I don't care. He said, well, how many do you want? Again, you say, it doesn't matter about the quantity. So the third time he asks, well, what about the color? What color do you want? What kind do you want? And you say, look, forget it. I don't care. I don't want no stupid flowers anyway. And he goes, fine. And that's the end of the conversation. He literally closes that door, comes out of that room, and that problem is over. For males, when they feel that they have resolved the problem, when it's over, it's over. Now, that creates a real problem for you ladies because you never forget any problem that existed, right? So let's say we're going to, next week, we're going to your mother's house. And in room number two are all the issues that were, that came up while you were at your mother's house, okay? And you told him, don't do this, don't do that. And he said, fine, I won't, and so on. So it's two weeks later, come back, and you say to him, now remember when we go to your mo my mother's house, you're not going to do this. And in essence, he says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because again, that was an issue that took place here. There's more to it than that, but just as a, as a quick way to kind of understanding that, 
That's why I also in the classroom, if a boy, you ask a boy, why did you do that? They will have no idea. Try not to ask boys why they did something. Ask them what they did. Because what is something that's concrete enough for them to explain why they really may not know because they're in that box processing. Okay. Now let's look at the female brain. Little bit different. Okay. Same size house. All the same stuff is going to happen. Except the significant difference in the female brain is there are no separate rooms. I want you to think of it from this perspective. If you look in that house, no doors, no separate rooms. In other words, whatever happens here can be transferred to here, can be transferred to here, can be transferred to here, which is why you tend not to forget anything because it's circular. And that emotional circuit board is throughout the brain. And that's a very powerful benefit for, for women. Okay. Fundamental number two, both genders have the same emotions, but we process them differently. So as a guy goes in to process his emotions, he's going into his room. Now I've got to deal with it. Okay. What do I do? What's the problem? How am I going to fix this? So on and so on and so on. So jumping into fundamental three, and you'll see how two and three link together. Without an emotional vocabulary, a male runs a risk of not being able to verbalize all of his emotions. So I'm going to put this next part of the slide up here and think about this. What emotions are being demonstrated are shared by this guy? Looks like 12 different emotions. Pretty much he's going to say, I don't know. What's the problem? I'm fine. I'm okay. Leave me alone. Don't bother. Okay. Not necessarily have a separate description of this one, this one, this one, this one, all the way through. Okay? Now, why is that such a big deal? Let's take a minute and see where emotions are learned and developed. So, do you believe that emotions are influenced more by nature, biology, or nurture, what we learn? By the way, I'm forcing you to make a choice intentionally tendency is towards nurture. Well, guess what? You are correct. Guess what, nature folks? You are correct as well. All right. Here's what I want to talk about with this. Biology, we'll call that nature, if you will, and experience, let's call that nurture. They're linked together. Environmental factors affect the structure of our brain. If you live in a home that is a contentious home, there you're going to either learn how to effectively deal with conflict or not effectively deal with conflict. If you live in a home where there's lots of conversations, chances are your vocabulary is going to increase. If you live in a home where there's reading taking place, chances are your, your reading skills will be enhanced. If you come from a home where there's no communication at all with just a television on, you may find it a little challenging to have a great in-depth conversation with someone, right? Another part that goes with this environmental factor in biology is this. When we experience something, that prefrontal cortex, it kind of locks in all of our memories of what makes us safe. The amygdala, and we're going to talk about more of that in a minute, the amygdala kind of locks in memories of fear. Okay, For boys and males, not all, we're talking about patterns, there's always exceptions. For boys and males, here's how we tend to, to look at dealing with a conflict. When we go into that box, when we go into our room to figure it out, 
we wind up with one of these two tendencies. I'm either going to fight or I'm going to run, fight or flight, okay? I will tend to do both of those when the amygdala has kicked into a concept of I'm afraid of something. That could be physical. That could be fear of what someone thinks about you, fear of what someone says about you, and so on, okay? So as we process a little bit further, I'm going to put a picture up here, all right? So here's what that tells me. You have a preconceived notion about spiders, okay? If I know that, that's going to be an advantage for my understanding of you if we get into a situation where we may come in contact with a spider, okay? This is, in essence, what just took place inside your brain. So let me do this little process piece with you. Here's a spider. Now, the difference between the two, the one on the left was a tarantula, which is not necessarily uh, harmful, but certainly the black widow here is harmful. So the way the process works is this. If you've experienced these insects before, when you see them, the first thing that goes through is you immediately go to the thalamus, which then is going to filter your way through the occipital lobe, which is where you visualize it. Now, based on your visual image, if you recognize this red dot, you know that's not a good thing. comes back to the hippocampus, which deals with emotions, and then eventually gets processed through the amygdala. So if you are afraid of spiders or you don't like spiders, your comments were ooh, ooh, uh, all that kind of fun stuff. If spiders don't bother you, then your conversation was cool. Hey, awesome, that kind of stuff. Everything we deal with, any emotional angst that we have, we literally go through that process. Uh, what's not listed here, which is also a very powerful uh, one of our senses, a sense of smell, is also linked very closely to fear. Um, it's kind of like when someone says, you can almost smell trouble. It, it's almost biologically true, right? So let's keep uh, on with this. When we talk about males and how males process their emotions, right? Emotions are stored in the amygdala, primarily fear, but they're stored in the amygdala, which is located in this medial temporal lobe, which is over here, okay? Processing takes place in the prefrontal cortex, okay? So for a male to process emotions, they have to go from the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex, okay? That's a greater distance to travel for processing. Now, we're talking nanoseconds, not physical distance, but just in, in how the brain operates. Now, females, yours do it a little differently. Females, emotions are stored throughout the brain. Again, they're going to start in the amygdala, amygdala, but they are stored throughout the brain, which is why I go back to the house. So spiders are in a separate room in the male brain. Spiders are throughout the brain in the female are stored throughout the female brain, okay? There's less distance required for processing. If you don't remember anything else that we talk about today, this next slide is the one you're going to remember because it's a good visual. All right, so let's look at how male processes emotions. goes from the amygdala, follow the line, to that prefrontal cortex, okay? Now, the female brain is going to, in essence, start at the same place. It's going to start here in the amygdala, but here's the beauty of the female brain. Emotions flood the brain. That doesn't make it bad. That's just how you process emotions, which is why uh, for those, again, in the school business or in any, any industry that you're in, if two girls or two females get ready to fight, 
there's there's no debate. There's no conversation. Well, you did this, you did that. It is on. And after it's over, if someone has the opportunity to talk to them, they ask them, well, what happened? Why? What were you guys fighting? What were you ladies fighting about? And they say, well, she said something about me. Well, when did she say it? Four years ago in seventh grade. It's crazy. Males, on the other hand, if they have an argument, they're going to do this little dance. They're going to puff up their chest and hope and pray that someone intervenes and keeps them from actually physically fighting. And here's the most interesting part. When they have processed that, let's say they, they've had the conversation, it's over, it's done. A couple hours later, in school, they're out shooting basketball. If they're adult males, they're out having a beer. When it's over, it's over. For females, it tends not to be over, which links back to that, uh, that house with the emotions being shared everywhere. All right, now, I want you to look at these five boys. And we're going to put another poll up here in just a second. But what emotion do you believe is being demonstrated by each of these boys? You don't have to write that down. Just kind of think about this. All right, now, on the next question, I do want you to type in, or, or there'll be a survey, which of these five boys, if you met them and you had a chance to talk to them, which of the five would you be most concerned with? In other words, who concerns you the most? And the numbers should be one through five. So just quickly make a choice. One, two, three, four, five. A pretty even balance. That's, that's pretty good. By the way, you're all correct. Because it, except for number one, who doesn't seem to be having an issue, you've all chosen a different person, which tells me that if these boys are in your environment somewhere, someone is going to have the opportunity to talk to them and, and find out what's going on. Okay, The one that just because it reminds me of me is the one I'm be most concerned about is number five. I don't see any affect. Just because he's playing basketball does not mean he doesn't have a lot of issues. That's his way of, of getting past his emotions. He's going into his little emotional room saying, I'll shoot the baskets. While I'm shooting that, which means he's doing something, he'll be able to process what's going on. All right. Thank you for that. We're going to do a different one. Okay. This time we're going to look at adult males. Which emotion do you believe is being demonstrated by each of these men? Let's take a minute. Look at those five. All right. Same question as before in the survey. Which of these five men would concern you the most? If you were working with these five guys, which guy would you want to make or create an opportunity to talk to them and see what's going on? This is so interesting. Uh, the majority of you are choosing number five. Okay. And I'm pretty, I can almost speculate as to why you chose number five. I want you to keep that thought in mind as we talk about the bro code. Why number five jumped out at you compared to the other four, for the majority of you, all right? So let's keep moving here. Now, okay, fundamental number four. Males may take from how long, how many hours to process emotions? I'm going to give you the answer in a minute. Just want you to kind of think about that. How long? That's, that would be, using our house analogy, from the time the incident takes place, goes into his room, closes the door, processes it. See a couple people responding. That's good. Let me give you the quick answer. It could be anywhere from one to five hours. Okay. 
anywhere from one to five hours. So if you ask a man what's wrong, you may not get a good response. You ask a young boy what's wrong, you may get an I don't know, nothing's wrong, so on and so on, because they're in there processing that, that emotion, okay? Now, how does that fit into the next couple of things we're going to talk about? Biology, which again is the nature aspect, and social conditioning, which is the nurture aspect, has, has real powerful impact on the two different ty age, age types for boys. One, from birth to adolescence, boys are emotionally reactive. Those of you that have raised a son or still have a son, before they turn into a teenager or become start to reach puberty, young boys will cry and cry and cry and show emotions. Uh, one of the most traumatic things for young boys is the first day they go to preschool and they have to leave their mother. Okay? And so sometimes we say to them, oh, it'll be okay, don't cry, don't worry about it, and so on and so on. Okay? All right? Well, once boys reach adolescence, they have been indoctrinated into this thing we're going to call the boy code. And as a result of that, here's what the tendency becomes. Again, there's always exceptions to this. From, I'm going to say almost pre-adolescence to post-adolescence, boys become emotionally unresponsive. They have an essence learned. I don't talk about my feelings. I don't share my feelings because real men don't do that. And the result of that is this emotional energy is built up. Now, let's go back to the concept of not having an emotional vocabulary. How do I tell you what level of frustration I'm in? You most likely are not going to hear uh, a young boy or even an adult male say things along the lines. You know what? If uh, these activities continue and this process continues, I think I'm going to become very upset. If I become upset, I will get frustrated. When I become frustrated, I have no idea what will be the end ramifications of that. No, you're not going to hear most of that. What you're going to hear, especially from a teenage boy, is I'm mad. And you say, well, honey, what's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. I told you I'm mad. And so, again, trying to be kind and trying to really help them and figure out what's going on, you pose it the third time. Third time you say it, gets very upset, says, leave me alone, get out of my face, which now changes the complexion of the conversation. I know we're going to run out of time, so let me get on to uh, the next piece. Okay? Males tend to use less positive emotional words. When guys talk to one another, we belittle each other up and down all over the place. And, and women just look at us and say, what is wrong with you people? Of course, now, ladies, you get to do that on Facebook, but that's a different issue tend to become more isolated emotionally after age 15, which is in essence what we were hearing these uh, middle school boys talking about, tend not to share feelings with friends, and that is so problematic. Uh, boys will hang out with one another. They're, both their parents are going through a divorce. They just won't talk about it. And it's because they feel, and the concern is, if I talk about it, and my friend knows that this bothers me, and they actually see me cry, two weeks from now, they may throw that up in my face in a different conversation. So if I don't give them any ammunition, so to speak, to use, then I don't have to worry about it. So I'll keep it buried. They prefer to work out problems on their own, go back into my room, close the door, literally and figuratively inside my brain, and deal with it by myself. Now, as adults get older, 
that's fine. Or as males get older, that's fine because they've had some life skills. Preteens and teenagers do not have as many life skills to process what is an effective way to deal with their, their issues. Okay? And unfortunately, as someone listed on the chat box, this leads to higher levels of depression. And it's a big problem, big problem. Okay? All right? All right. And dealing with emotions, here are the tendencies. Males tend to deal with emotions by doing things, their actions. If I don't have the words, I will do something physical. In a school environment or in a work environment, that might sound like pounding the desk when I'm mad, when I'm upset, or slamming a door, or, or this or anything that is physical because I don't have words to explain it. Females, on the other hand, may do those things, but the tendency is more talking, talking it through. All right, again, what happens for, for males in the bro code is you take it to a different level. And now here's a guy who who considers himself morally strong, and he is morally strong, but yet he's, he's stuck in a position where do I, the term they used in the clip, rat out my friends or what do I do? Puts guys into a very difficult situation. That's getting better. And I think based on what I saw David Cook mention, his coaches like him are doing a phenomenal job helping boys understand that you don't have to live by this particular measure. Okay. All right. Let me go on to, uh, and this, by the way, this, uh, the mask you live in, incredibly powerful uh, DVD or, or documentary in on Netflix. Okay. Fundamental number seven, uh, allow for the time silence syndrome. Give them time to be alone to process their emotions and pain. So if, if you find a boy or an adult male who's having difficulties, let it alone. I mean, obviously, if it's going to cause physical harm to someone, you stop it immediately. We're, we're talking about, you know, the event has taken place. This is processing time. Males need that processing time. And in that processing time, the thing they need least is someone telling them what they should do and how to do it. They don't need any words. Let me go into my room. Let me go into my, close the door and deal with it. Okay. Again, as long as they're not creating harm to themselves or harm to someone else, it's fine to let them process alone. This is kind of what the, the time silence syndrome does. And this, again, is part of Pollock's work. In dealing with emotional angst, big three things. I've got to figure out what's wrong. You telling me isn't going to change me. It might give me some thoughts, but it's not going to change. It'll leave me alone. I don't want to be talked to or anything. Second part, feelings intensify. And for males, males are what we'll call shame phobic. They will do anything, almost anything to avoid being shamed. That goes back to the bro code. If I violate the bro code, I'm going to be shamed by the other guys. So they will do anything they can to try to fight that. Again, we're talking about patterns, not absolutes here. And then last but not least, the wounded animal must have time to nurse his pain in his cave. So if you want to think metaphorically as going into that room, as going into the cave, I need time. Now, here's the flip side of this. If it's days, weeks, and so on, that's problem. That's where depression comes in. So you have to understand the guys that you work with, whether it be adults or, or young men, right? So what can we do? What are some quick, short, and sweet strategies that all of us can do just starting right now if we needed to? One, help boys develop an emotional vocabulary. Give them some other choices for words. Not everything has to be, I'm mad, I'm really mad, I'm, and then a derogatory term to follow that. 
give them some other words. Uh, recognize when the boy code or the bro code is being used. Recognize it. Kind of say, hey, I get what's going on here, but let's have some other conversations. Uh, Kathy put in the chat box, uh, the Fatherhood Initiative, very powerful, powerful group. I love their stuff. It's a great opportunity to have this conversation. Uh, find positive male role models for boys. Okay, and positive is in the eyes of the beholder, obviously. Uh, many boys look up to famous people and say, oh, that's my positive male role model. When some of the best role models uh, are in every classroom they go to or in every building they go to, every church, synagogue, or mosque, and so on. You get the idea. And then last but not least, honor is need for time silence. And what that does is provides them with this opportunity for to kind of heal on their own, to gather the information. Uh, again, another one I don't have listed up here is do your best not to ask why did you do something. Uh, you are not going to get good information. Ask what did you do? What might you do next time that's different? Those kinds of questions. Okay. And last but not least, when he seeks reconnection, try to be there for him. And that will make things happen. Uh, let me go to video game stuff. Yes. Uh, two really good sources that talk about that. One is uh, Leonard Sachs' work, S-A-X. Um, there's two or three different books. Uh, I just went brain dead, but it's Leonard Sachs, S-A-X. Uh, and I'll, I'll, uh, Boys Adrift. There's the first one. Another is uh, Rosalind Wiseman, who wrote a book, um, Masterminds and Wingmen really, really give some great information on video games. My personal thought is uh, there's not a problem with playing video games unless it's all they do. That, to me, is the biggest problem. I think that's what you hear in the other sources. Let me see if we can find something else. Uh, i got to go up a little bit. Resources for boys with ADD. I'm going to give you the short answer to that. Let them outside and play. We tend to really overdiagnose ADD, ADHD, because boys want to get up and move, and we sometimes find that fascinating. Leonard Sachs, again, does a really good job of talking about that in um, the Boys Adrift book. Okay. Cool-down rooms for students. That's awesome. Uh, another thing to do with the cool-down room, or same concept, is when a boy is really angry, give them an opportunity to walk, do a walk-around, um, let them drink some water. What water does is help to dilute cortisol. And so that's a great uh, quick tool now. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Send something to me. Please don't get alarmed if I don't get back to you right away. Sometimes they put me on the road, which is a good thing. All right. And let me talk about yours. Should uh, So should boys be able to fill out reflection forms? Absolutely. But uh, keep in mind that they're going to have to process it a little longer. So it's not a bad idea to let them fill it out right away. But my thinking is have them come back a little later, kind of rethink it through so that they have some time for processing time. Uh, what, what the boys that I've seen do this, what they'll tend to do is they'll put on the paper what they think you want them to, to say and do. In other words, they'll try to please you so that they don't have to fill out any more work. So be careful with that. But yeah, I have no problem with the reflection forms. Just a little processing time in between is going to work a little bit better. Not weeks, not days, just, you know, a little more time.
getting dads involved in children's centers. Any suggestions? Yes. First, make it a time when the dads are not working or I'm not joking about this, but yes, I am during any special athletic events. Don't do it during March Madness. Don't do it during, you know, the Super Bowl week, that kind of stuff, because the guys are involved in some other stuff. Thanks. You have a great day today. I think that's pretty much it. All right. We'll say adios.